Welcome to Third Chances, a talk show where we like to hear from people who devoted their life to health, fitness and wellness. Medical professionals, health coaches and all the others who help us every day to cure our body, mind or soul. Those who always look for more natural, holistic ways to help even more people to live a happier and healthier life. Those who don't like to give up easily and settle on you or themselves. It is never too late or too soon. I always believe that every one of us deserves not just a second chance, but as many as we need. I'm Vera, your host. Who better than a master of reinvention with an accent to guide you through it, right? Just like they say, you are not a tree, so move. And God knows I have done just that in my own life many, many times. If you are not completely happy with the direction your life is going, this show may help you get the courage to change what is needed, find a new path and take charge. So come on over, pour yourself a glass of wine and spend some time with us. Let's laugh and cry together and get inspired by people just like you and me who overcame their own doubts and took a leap of faith to reinvent their life on their own terms. I hope and pray that we help you on that journey. And if you feel so compelled and inspired, please let us know. Don't be shy. Who knows? You may just be our next featured guest with another inspiring success story. So here we go. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Third Chances, when we talk to people that change their life for better. Well, today it's going to be a little different because I have no guest. I realize we are talking about stories. We all have them. And I still owe you my own. Uh, And whether we like it or not, we have to reinvent ourselves and our lives usually more than once. Sometimes it's planned and wished for, and sometimes it's just forced on us. Either way, however hard it looked at the moment we were dealing with it, Nothing in the world stays stagnant and sane. Everything in nature either grow or die. There's never anything the same. So we may as well accept the fact that it's part of life. But I know when you are dealing with the hard stuff, it is not so easy to listen to this and we don't see it the same way. But one of the reasons I started this podcast is to remind ourselves. It's not about look at me how great I am, although nothing wrong with that. But it's here to remind us that once we did find the strength, we took back our power. We overcame things that seemed impossible to overcome. And if you are finding yourself in such a moment when you question everything, can't seem to make right decision, doubt yourself or dig deep to once again find the courage to change things, that's why I started this podcast. It works the other way too. If we are unhappy in situation and unhappy with ourselves, we couldn't move, we couldn't make the right decision. Unless we change something in us, it will continue to hurt us. And it usually grows even bigger. So I decided to share a few of my major aha moments from my life that actually made me who I am today and there's definitely more than more than few that I picked 
but I was I was thinking, let's just concentrate on these five that were major, major shifts for me. And I hope it serves you as an inspiration that sometimes we need to get, let go of the control and let the destiny take a charge. Uh, so let me set up the first story that I have. Um, this is back in 19, I believe 91. I was in Big Shot, I was young, I just had a great job and love of my life, so I thought, in Holland. And I was driving around in Audi, uh, representing Holland uh, Dutch business, uh, doing research for them in Czech Republic. I felt like I'm hot shot. Well, uh, within a few weeks, the so-called love of my life that earlier proposed to marry me, uh, got rid of me, broke my heart. And the company that I worked for, and I was supposed to go back to Holland to continue on the project there, uh, told me that they decided to move on with something else so they won't need my services anymore. That was like world shattering for me. <laughs> it just, it was all at once. And all my things were in Holland. I live there right now. I lived there with my boyfriend then and we were supposed to get married and then his old girlfriend showed up in the picture and something happened and I was gone and it worked the way it did. I could not believe it. I was 22, 23 maybe. My life was over. I had nowhere to go back because I burned bridges behind me in Prague. I, I used to live in Prague at the time. Uh, my family was far away and it was not the family that would support you. That would be more like, I told you so. I was too proud to go back and admit that I failed miserably. I had no money because I lived high. I, have, I was making great money and I knew I'm going back to Holland. So I spent it like an idiot. Well, here I am in the rented room that I can no longer afford, drinking myself to Bolivia's. <laughs> that was the only thing I had. I remember I had this magnum of some scotch that I received from the company. And it was like the most special thing I have at home or at home. It was rent and room, but I called it home. And so I was just drinking and crying and drinking and crying and feeling sorry for myself because my life was basically over. I was supposed to get married. I was supposed to live in Holland. I was supposed to have this wonderful job that felt so important. I was dealing with the directors of the companies. I was big shot in my eyes. Well, I was big dumb zero now. So I was like that for two or three days. And then uh, uh, somebody who worked in the same office with me, who represented a different company, came to check on me. And we were not very close. He was, you know, he was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. But at that time, I think that was my first meeting with so-called life coach that I never knew existed back in 91, 92. I don't believe anybody was talking about life coaching. But looking back, that was the moment when somebody shows you what you are, what the stories you're telling to yourself. He just came over and looked at me and I was wrecked. I was like, I, I didn't shower. I was sitting there crying my eyes 
out. I was drinking, didn't eat. I was just, my life is over. Just like, I can't, I, I don't want to see anybody, blah, 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 blah. And he looked at me for a little bit and he said, what are you doing? And I looked with my red eyes, like, what do you think I'm doing? Like, don't you see, like, I'm hurting so much. And he was at that time, I don't know, 40, 45, maybe 50. So, of course, he knew better. <laughs> I was too young to know that there's no such a thing as broken life over one love. But at that time, it felt like it. And especially because I had nowhere to go. I really had no home in Prague. I was from a little village from the country where I moved out from when I was 19 because I I felt this wasn't place for me. I was I didn't belong there. So here we are, and he's looking at me like, you're feeling sorry for yourself. Here, he threw a newspaper at me. Here, look for a job. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Put, put, put your boots on and go look for a job. You can't afford this room. And I look at him in disbelief, like how dare he talks to me like that? Doesn't he know how I heard? Doesn't he know what it is? He had no idea what I go through. And, and then he left me there, just like that. And I look at the newspaper next day and something click in me, like nobody is coming to save you, you idiot, unless you do it yourself. It's time. It's time to put your shoes on and do something. I started looking through the announcement of the jobs because at that time it was only in the newspaper. It was the internet wasn't so big at that time in Czech. And I was like, what? I, I don't know what I can do. I was really, really like not specialized in anything. Oh, I, I looked at it and found two things that, that came out for me was, first of all, I spoke English now, which not that many people spoke English at that time because under communism, we were only forced to learn Russian and it wasn't welcome to speak the imperialistic language, you know? So I learned on my own because I lived in Holland and I lived, I, I learned Dutch and English kind of by listening and talking to people. I wasn't so great in speaking, I mean, in reading, but I was, I was, I was having conversational English. And there were two jobs that were looking for somebody who speaks English. One was in a traveling agency and one was newly opening offices of DHL American Career Company. I had no idea what that company was, but I applied for both and I got interview for both. Funny enough, uh, I first first one came up with the traveling agency, and I I just I was open to whatever happens happens. I didn't have any idea what I want to do. I felt what I was doing was satisfying to me, but uh, it went away. So I was open to anything. And that feeling that it doesn't matter that I'm open to anything actually helped me to not be so stressed out, be relaxed. And the interview well went, uh, well, went well. I spoke with the owner of the company. And I remember at that time, she, she laughed that I have no past sentences in English. I was only speaking in <laughs> present time because my English wasn't good enough. 
but she liked my personality and and she said that they will get back to me and two days later i had interview at dhl and because it was just starting in czech opening new businesses uh new offices it was the general manager who was british who interviewed me and funny enough we clicked right away i i really liked his personality he liked mine and the job was for um answering the phone for receptionist that would kill me i was not that type if five lines ring at the same time i'm done i'm like nope 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 but i still applied for it because i was like well maybe i have to start somehow well when we spoke and we kind of talked about each other at one point he asked me well we are also opening downtown office in prague and i was wondering would you be interested to run that it's like customer service and i'm like oh my god absolutely that's that's who i am that's you know i love to, with i like to be with people i'm not good on the phone that would be wonderful for me and so again they told me okay they'll they'll consider everything and and let me know and two days went by and i received a phone call from the travel agency that was offering me the job and i don't know what happened at that moment because i it was gut feeling or something or intuition i turned that job down i told them i have something else which i didn't the other job still didn't call but i told her i already have something else and they were sorry but we you know and the next day dhl called and i got my job i was like oh my god this works i'm I had no idea about universe and all these things at that time. I didn't believe in those things, but I there was something in me that told me, no, take this one. And I did. And we started in one week, uh, very, very hard training. Nobody has time to explain you things. They expect you to be good in English. So all the manuals and everything, the programs, computers, everything was in English. I haven't seen computer in my life before this moment. And, you know, I was, I was being seated to, okay, this is computer. This is how you turn it on. And we have to enter data because the plane is leaving at four o'clock. So chop, 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 let's go. And I'm like, okay, I, I knew, I knew how to type on, a, you know, typewriter. So yeah, I, I got to it. I was shown things and it was super hard and stressful interview. I mean, the training the whole week. And I think five of us started and only two survived. And I was one of them. It was actually good for me. I loved the pressure because I didn't have time to deal with my own issues. I was fully absorbed in this. I, the, the pay, the salary that they offered was spectacular. So I'm like, oh my God, I better, I better do this, right? This is, this is gonna let me be back on my feet again. And so one week later, I'm in a downtown office of newly opened DHL and and I'm being on my own and doing my stuff. And I was so proud of myself. I was so proud because that was the first time in my life that I did something from scratch. I created that opportunity. I went there. I went for it, even though I didn't feel right about it. I took it. I trained. And here I am looking like fly attendant because they had beautiful uniforms. And in a beautiful design office, 
dealing mostly with foreigners because DHL was way too expensive service for Czech people at that time. And I felt good again. I felt good again. I will be, I'll be fine. I'll survive. I have now money to pay for my, for my rental. And would you believe two weeks later, my future husband walked to the door. That's the first story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that really made a huge difference for another 30 years of a very happy relationship. So thank you, Richard, for kicking my butt at that time. So I realize I'm feeling sorry for myself and I'm not doing anything to change the situation. And I hope this will be something that you may find in your own life, situation like that, that looking back, you realize Oh my God, I hated him at that moment, but thank God he did that. And, you know, a few years later, there is another. <laughs> there is another one that I would like to share today because I will leave the three last one for next episode. The other one that really moved me was, um, this is, Years after I left DHL, we started our own business. We were doing big productions in Czech, uh, culture events, concerts. We we dealt with VIPs, with the artists. It was fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. My husband liked it at the countryside where I grew up. So we moved for a little bit over there. And we produced events. We were really famous because we knew all the famous people, actors, singers, they would be coming to perform for us. And opportunity offered itself and we ended up renting um, a horse riding place, which became an, another few years um, event that didn't end up so well uh, for the simple reason. We didn't know anything about horses, obviously, but the guy who was running the place was helping us with producing events. We did a lot of events there and everything was tipped up. Everything always worked. We trusted him. So when he came with the proposal that we can, we should rent the place from the organization that didn't really care about it, we can run it as a business and he will run the, the part of the horses. We will run the, the culture event, bring the business in and it's no brainer. So we did. We invested money. We started um, doing stuff together. And about a year or two later, we came back from big festival that we that we produced in, in America from with Smithsonian Institution, which was a big deal. Came back and realized nothing that we agreed on worked. We were feeding horses that were not producing money that were supposed to. And he was being distant as our business partner. Well, turned out he was stealing money from the business, from the company, from the owners of the property, because that's how he ran that business before. He ran it like his own, except he was the employee. Now being a business partner, he just continued doing the same. He was taking money out. He was not putting money in a bank account. He was using them for something else, whatever he decided to use it for. And we realized, looking in the books, that we are in deep doo-doo, that he basically destroyed that company that we invested heavily in. 
it it went so far that it was either we sue you or you leave on your own we got together with the owners of the property which were still involved because we were renting from them and basically make him leave he he had either to to face jail time or or do this and i can tell you my husband at that time fell in deep depression he was so disappointed he was disappointed with us that we didn't pay enough attention we trusted the wrong guy he was disappointed with people that they were lying to our faces and laughing behind our back and and stealing from us he could not understand that attitude because he lived in america at that time for 20 years i lived during communism we have completely different experience with people and there was a lot of dishonesty during communism because people were stealing and they make excuses for it. They make, uh, they, they were saying like, if I don't do that, it let me, let me live the life. I have to take care of my family. They, they justify it for themselves. Uh, Jerry lived in America. He was working at the bank. Uh, the shake, the handshake meant something. So he was not prepared for that. And, uh, he basically fell into depression. He didn't, he couldn't deal with it. We were in a situation that we lost entire business. We have to sell the horses. We have to move out within a month because somebody on top of it stabbed us in the back and offer a lot of bribe to the owners of the company to get us out so they can buy it. And then they screw them over, but that was not our problem. So we couldn't continue renting it. We couldn't continue recover the, the, the loss. We have flood the last season. And so all the money we were supposed to make that would carry us over the winter were gone because we didn't have season. I mean, one thing after another, and we were in deep doo-doo. And still, you have to feed horses every day. You have to have people pay to take care of them. You have to bring the vet in and pay all the shots and everything. It was unbearable we can't we couldn't hold it any longer so i remember packing our stuff and trying to sell every single thing because we had no other income coming in this was it this was our business and i remember somebody came from the the town hall who um, a year ago was bringing guests to the town to show how great the businesses he had in his town and he was just looking at me and was like, well, Mrs. Cherney, that's just business, isn't it? And I'm like, business? That's not business. That's bullshit. Because I knew he was part of that bribe. I knew he was involved. There was no, uh, there was no uh, legal protection at that time. Everything was, you know, just like new democracy after communism. Nobody knew how to run a business. And everybody was taking advantage of things. People were borrowing huge loans from the bank with the intention never pay it back they bought mercedes driving around and they thought that's what means to have a business well we knew better but still we failed big time failed and you start beating yourself up uh, not only you are in an awful situation we had to live in my parents because we had nowhere to go we have to sell our car we have to sell everything that has some value from that business and the horses because everybody knows you are going out of business the ones that we bought for 50,000 crowns were suddenly being, we, we had offers for 10. And I'm like, oh, you mean that horse lost value of that many percent over one year? 
uh, yeah, everybody knew that you are going out of business. You need to get rid of it. So they take advantage of it. It was really awful time. And I was basically doing it by myself. I was letting people go. I was selling horses. I was, you know, selling the, the, the materials and everything that has some value that we can recover something and live off. While my husband was sitting at home looking in the wall, he wouldn't even eat. I prepared him food. He wouldn't even eat it. I was mad at him. I didn't understand he was in depression. I was like, how could you leave me in this by myself? This is not easy. This is really not fun. And he's like, I just, I can't talk to anybody. This is like, this is such a, like, I can't even talk to anybody. Then I understood that it's deeper than just a mood. <laughs> well, we ended up getting rid of everything and we were forced to move back to Prague because we couldn't recover even our cultural business in in the country there was not enough money to sponsor events and and do big events like we used to do so we went back to Prague and we started from scratch again uh trying to recover our losses and and trying to do what we can and it was not easy and you know when you have somebody you really deeply love and care about sitting next to you down it was rubbing on me too I was like I was never feeling that way but I was I was feeling that I'm going down with him like I'm feeling that depression like there was no light in the tunnel I did not know where to move next everything was everything we wanted to do would cost money we didn't have and one day again just like the Richard at the first story my former colleague from DHL went to see me he was no longer working for DHL. He was now working for British Life Insurance Agency. And he was in HR. And he didn't know what the situation is or anything, but he just wanted to stop by for coffee. And and obviously I broke in tears and told him what 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 shitty situation we are in and what happened and how I, how I don't know how to go on. And he said, well... Did you ever consider selling life insurance? You can make a lot of money. And just like that first time, I was looking at him in my disbelief, like, are you freaking kidding me? Don't you see? Like, look at me. How can I sell something with this confidence and share? It's like, there's nobody. It's like, I can't even talk to people. I'm so ashamed what, what we have done or what, what happened to us. And I, I, have responsibility for it and i just felt like i'm like what what was i thinking how could we think that we can do this and once again like that life coach that catches you in your own stories that you tell to yourself he looked at me at one moment and said that famous sentence that struck right into my heart hmm and that's someone who taught me how to sell. And I was quiet. Because I realized when I first met him, he was a courier at the DHL. I really liked his personality. He was way too smart to be courier. And so when there was a talk that they wanted to uh, promote me to a sales department, I actually went to the GM and told him, 
why don't you promote Martin to my position? He's way too good to be a courier. He's wonderful with people. He's wonderful with customer service. Let him train with me. And you have somebody who can run the downtown business when I leave. And that's exactly what happened. He was promoted because of me. I loved him. He was a wonderful guy. And he repaid me back years years later. And so there's few lessons from this, if I may. First of all, I realized when looking back and these major, major moments in my life, nothing is so bad that you can overcome it. Nothing. Second, if you decide that you have to do something about it and you just stay open-minded and you don't grab that wheel and want to manage every single step, the door will open and opportunities will show up that you never knew existed. I, with that insurance, <laughs> just to be sure, I did not see myself as an insurance agent. I saw that sleazy guy that, that bothers people and, oh my God, you want, to, you want insurance? I did not want to be one of those people. But that's my assumption of what it was. I very soon realized that I can be myself, do it my way, be attentive to people, listen to their needs, and be able to offer them what, what really they need, not what I want to sell. It was a big start of my long selling career when I learned that instead of talking and selling and trying to convince people of something, when you listen more than you talk, you are much more with your integrity. People will tell you what their situation is and what they may need. And you knowing your product may then offer exactly what fits their needs. You are not selling. You are actually serving them into what they need. And that was biggest, biggest discovery in, in my insurance business. And maybe just, just to finish on a good note, um, because it was kind of, kind of heavy, <laughs> the whole podcast. I love one of my stories that I was really, really proud of. There was a, uh, when you, when you sell insurance, you have to constantly look for new people to talk to. And I was lucky because I had a great contacts from my years being in DHL. I was dealing with the like hot big shots in uh, foreigner companies. So I started with them. I, some of them, I moved from one insurance to another because our insurance was better. And they also recommend me further to other people. And one of the recommendation was something unbelievable. Uh, it was the financial director of Warner Music, uh, Warner Brothers, I'm sorry. And she was super, super lady. We had lunches together. She was really, really nice. And she, when I asked her for recommendations, I insured her and she gave me, I think three or four names. One of them was basically equivalent of the, big, the biggest energy company in your state. It was big, big, big shot, except we didn't have states. It was the country, <laughs> the biggest, the, the biggest, the only energetic company in the country. He was a financial director of that company. So his salary was in millions. Um, never met anybody like that. 
And I was really worried about that because I was not so confident, especially when it comes to numbers and he's financial director, he's going to be super smart. If he catch me on something wrong, I'm going to be discrediting myself immediately. I was freaking out. I didn't even know how to make appointment because I was like, there'll be 500 secretaries protecting him from, you know, like, how do I even get to him? Well, because she was kind enough and made a phone call, he expected me to call. So I got to talk to him and he was very, very strict on the phone, very brief, the type of people that I can make connection with. And he was like, well, I have, yeah, um, Jana recommended you. So I'm going to see you because I promised her, but I just want to, you know, let you know, don't get your hopes high because I have seen quite a few people from insurance business and um, I didn't like anything. So just don't get your hopes high. What a good start of the selling conversation, isn't it? <laughs> so I I was like, okay, well, that's not going to go well. <clears throat> but I prepared. I made million scenarios. What can he need? What can he make? Like I over-prepared myself because I did not want to be caught in not knowing something. Later on, I realized it was completely not necessary. Well... At the time of the meeting, I drove like an hour earlier because I did not want to be there late. I was sitting in a parking lot uh, with my best suit on, you know, suitcase. I was really like looking business-like representative of a British company. And at the time of our meeting, I walked in, uh, the secretary showed me the door. I went in and he wouldn't even look up from his desk. That's how welcoming he was. It was big, big, big corner office with the big um, uh, the table where they have a meetings. And his desk was against the wall. Really huge, huge space. And I'm sitting, I'm standing at the door because he didn't invite me inside. And my confidence was going smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then I said, good morning. And he finally looked up and he said, oh, oh, it's you. All right, well, tell me what you got. You got five minutes. I'm still standing there by the door. And at that moment, something something grew in me. And I'm like, no way. You're not going to treat me like a piece of shit. I'm standing here because we made appointment. This is not like, I'm not going to be talking to you in between door. That's not like, you're going to treat me with respect. You made appointment with me. I don't know where it came from, but I, I basically smiled back and I said, well, I thought we made an appointment. If this is bad time, I'm sorry. I'd like, we can reschedule, but um, I didn't expect to get five minutes. And he, no, 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 of course, of course. Like, well, come, come, come sit. So he came to sit with me at that big table. Where do I sit? You know, but I don't know. So we crossed across the street, across the table from us. But still was like, okay, so what you got? No getting to know you, no breaking the waters. Not, it was very tense. It was obvious he wants to get rid of me as soon as he can. I could not work in that situation. That's not how I work. That's not how I operate. I need to kind of feel some relationship from the person or feel some something and 
again, my golden intuition that I was so grateful for gave me what to say. And I said, well, I can't possibly present you everything that you want in a really such a short time. But I was, if I may ask you one question, over the phone, you mentioned that you have seen quite a few people that uh, were offering you insurance and you didn't like anything. Would you tell me, can you tell me what, what are you looking for in insurance that you didn't see in those programs? And he sit up in his chair, looked me straight in the eyes and said, nobody ever asked me this question before. And we were looking at each other for a few seconds in disbelief. And then he answered my questions. And 40 minutes later, I walked out from that office with the biggest insurance program in my career. Listen, do not talk. Ask questions. Let people tell you what they want instead of you telling them what they should want. That was such a huge lesson and it came out of nowhere. I realized then looking back that that's what I was doing in sales and that's where I was successful and it applies to any industry you can think of. I later was successful in wine selling when I came to America, but that will be for another episode. And this time, I just want to say, if you are dealing with something tough, please sit down and remember moments like this, because we all have them. We all have very strong moments in our lives where situation looked impossible and we survived not only survived but we thrived and we we got something so much better out of it it always looks awful when we are in it but if you relax to it if you accept the fact that nothing same the same stay ever the same doesn't matter if we wanted the change or change happened because something happened it is always hard but Looking back at the moments you overcame will remind you of how strong you once were and how you overcame things that seemed impossible to overcome. I hope you like this podcast. I hope it helped you on your journey. This is what I do. This is what I help people with. I call myself master of reinvention because moments like these where I have to reinvent my life completely from scratch is quite a few in my life. I picked the five major ones and I told you about two of them today. And if you let me, and I hope it's not boring, I'll continue in the next episode with three other things that happened when I moved to the United States and left absolutely everything behind. Uh, when I didn't have family, I didn't know anybody and started my whole new life in a whole new country. I think that's reinvention on its own, but you will be the judge. Okay, I wish you a wonderful day. I hope I didn't bore you. Uh, please let me know what you think about this episode. And I'll be talking more about stuff that I want to, that helped me, that hopefully will help you as well. But I will, I'll also have guests that are 
having inspiring stories of overcoming hard things. And I have one schedule that I can't wait for, but we didn't make it this week. That's why I recited it's time. It's time that I owe you my own story. It's time you know me better. And I'm so grateful if you're listening to this podcast. I'm so grateful if you can give it some likes and maybe give a review because that what helps move it in charts, unfortunately. But most importantly, let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you find value in this. Let me know what would you like to hear. Uh, I'll be happy to to get back to you. I read everything. Uh, my contact information is in the podcast uh, podcast uh, show notes. And I hope you will stay loyal. I hope you will keep listening and we will meet again. Have a great day. Whee!